Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because this is a podcast. We listen to podcasts whenever we listen to it. Perhaps you are lounging on a shaylong. Is that what they're called? Uh, Somewhere sunny in the Caribbean. Today's going to be really interesting because we are talking to... Do we call you a hero? I don't know. You're freaking amazing. Gene uh, Driscoll, who is the executive director of the NC State College of Design. Welcome. Thank you. You are a competitor. You are a true competitor. You have won the Boston Marathon six consecutive times. You are, no? Eight times, seven consecutive. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Lucy. Who's counting? Lucy. <laughs> Lucy. Actually, I did the same thing. People are like, how many do you win? I'm like, they're like, 11? I'm like, 12. 12. Yeah. Exactly yeah. 12. You don't forget that. Yeah. And uh, you are a multiple gold medalist uh, in Olympian races as well. Mm-hmm. Were those the marathons as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Um, but you are in a wheelchair. Yeah. So this is a hardcore elite sport. You are at the top or for a, a very extended career at the top of your game and a savage competitor and a winner, winner, chicken dinner all the time. But today you would get interviewed about this all the time. <laughs> today we're going to talk about your role as executive div- director of, of development. development. Mm-hmm. And how this competitive spirit translates into what I hope we find is a very complex landscape. <laughs> um, thank you for so much for joining us. My pleasure. Development. It's a big word, but a lot of the world doesn't operate in a nonprofit uh, atmosphere. Most people work for companies and mm-hmm. companies have profits and stuff like that. But... Here at the College of Design, we are on the beautiful campus of NC State right now uh, in the Hunt Library. It's gorgeous. Google it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have to compete. There is a competition out there to get the best assets to do the best for your school. What is development? Tell us what it is for those who have never lived in the nonprofit world. Development is an opportunity. I have the privilege of meeting alumni from the College of Design uh, from the earliest years. Well, uh, the college was founded in 1948, but there are still alumni um, that I get to visit who graduated in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And uh, I provide updates about what's happening in the college, uh, but also provide opportunities for them to invest 
interest in their alma mater. Um, sometimes people have a passion about supporting students who might not otherwise be able to stay in school if they didn't have scholarship money. Sometimes people are interested in supporting the best and brightest faculty members who are being recruited a lot of different places, but we can hang on to them because we have an endowment that helps fund their research or um, helps fund a teaching assistant. Oh, that's that is fascinating. The, the, the there is an there is an opportunity for you to engage backwards, and there's a place for everyone to find what they are passionate about, be it an underprivileged student or accelerating a professor's career. So you you are out there encouraging people to pick and choose what how they want to contribute. We call it donor-centric fundraising. What is most meaningful to the donor that they would like to support? It might not be a student who has financial need. They might want to support a student who is among the best and brightest, and uh, it's called a merit-based scholarship. And so uh, a donor might want to help celebrate the uh, the outstanding success of a, of a student. So they might create a scholarship um, that supports uh, a, a high-performing student. Other people who come from uh, backgrounds where... Um, they couldn't afford to go to college, but they're doing well and they want to support other students who might not be able to go. Then uh, a need-based scholarship might be of interest. Like I said, faculty, some people want to help create buildings, new buildings, to uh, expand teaching and research and, and outreach. Um, there are a lot of different ways, programs, right. um, there are a lot of different ways for people to invest in NC State University and in whatever program uh, they have an interest in. I, I, I happen to work for the College of Design. And, uh, well, so you said 1948 was the foundation of the uh, school, the College of Design? Yeah, that's, actually. That's, that's. A long time ago. Yes, for, <laughs> for this discipline, because this discipline is not as, is more cutting edge than most other disciplines. I mean, design is a newer thing on the landscape. Well, College of Design includes architecture, yep. and there were actually, architecture was a part of the engineering college mm -hmm. back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s. So um, architecture became uh, one of the founding departments in the school, what was then the School of Design. Right. Um, the the College of Design uh, presently has architecture, landscape architecture, graphic design, industrial design, um, art and design. Um, it it has um, a, a Doctor of Design program, which is a professional degree program. Um, it's uh, if you like to design, uh, come to the College of Design. That's uh, and so I have spoken with a designer once before, and I'm interested because I would like to put these two in parallel and ask what your definition of design is. Well. We look at design thinking. Design thinking is something that uh, Chancellor Randy Woodson challenged my dean, Mark Hoverston, to bring to the entire campus. And design thinking is a creative solution to a problem. 
And creative solution to a problem. So Understood. You can define that however you want. You can create a solution however you want. It's very broad, but uh, it's an opportunity to to design solutions. Right, right. Uh, so it, you're, in essence, reverse engineering. You're going from one side to the other. Rather than, uh, you're, re- rather than heading forward, you're looking how to come from the back end, in essence, right? Um, sort of... Maybe. Oh, well, no. It, it, it depends on, it it depends depends on, on what your the, strategy. It depends on what the problem is, yeah, I guess. It, well, and it depends on the process you use. You yeah. can come at it from a lot of different angles. You can come at it from the front end, the side, um, and, and any... Any way that your perspective uh, leads you, there's lots of different ways. Right. Um, all right. So now back to back to your your core fundamentals of development. Uh, there's opportunities out there to engage with uh, your a variety of alumni and other sources. Uh, what's the competitive landscape like out there? How? How far are other people's attentions pulled, and how does someone in your role really engage them? When I was brand new in fundraising in uh, well, about 13 years ago, I went to a training, and we were taught the passion question. What would you like to accomplish with your gift that's most meaningful to you? Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of different ways to ask that question. Um, But typically, if I am meeting with alumni or current donors or friends of the college who might be interested in a particular area of study or uh, supporting a studio, um, I will ask that question, what's most meaningful to you? What would you like to do with your money that's most meaningful to you? And everybody has a different motivation. So um, Really, uh, I, I, I guess there's a competitive aspect to it um, if people are trying to decide between uh, two or three different uh, ways to, uh, to support something. Um, but uh, maybe they decide to, to support all three right. in, in, in a different way. But whatever is most meaningful to the donor, um, then we hope to create uh, an opportunity for them to do that. Right. Uh, and, and it seems like at, at a certain point, at least from your end, ego sort of plays the second stage, right? You want, you want to bring in a donor and you want them to feel welcome. So if they choose one project within your portfolio rather than the other, you'll just be like, no, 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 this is all good. It's the, it's the greater good. Development or fundraising is really about relationships. Right. It's about creating, building, and sustaining relationships. So oftentimes I will cold call somebody and ask them if I could meet them, learn about their time on campus as a student and what's transpired in their career since they graduated. And everybody has stories to tell. I believe everybody could write a book about their lives. That would be interesting to everybody. It's why we go to movies. It's why we read books. Um, and, and so uh, really, it's, it's about uh, establishing a relationship with somebody and uh, uh, helping them feel like they're connected. Sometimes people graduate and then they go to uh, a 
another part of the world or another part of the country, or they don't stay connected to the college. Uh Uh, And so I get to, in meeting with somebody, uh, reconnect them to to the college. Sometimes we bring them back to to take a tour of some of the studios where architecture students are creating their models, or we go into an industrial design studio where um, students are actively solving uh, some question. Right. Uh, and they are, uh, we have corporations who um, who are looking for uh, new and different ways to, um, to, to improve their product or um, use different materials. And sometimes they will come to our faculty and say, hey, we'd like to sponsor a studio. We'd like to give you money uh, to support uh, students working on this design uh, issue for us. And we've had several instances where um, you might have five different teams of students who come up with a solution and the company loves two or three of, of the ideas and ultimately, uh, adopts one of the solutions uh, into their business model. So this is relevant work that the students are doing, and it makes it that much more fun. And well, and that's really that's really cool too, because I was thinking from the benefactor side, the alumni side, right? Um, this is your 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 hard earned dollars that you made by becoming a success as an alumni mm-hmm. of the College of Design. Uh, e- you can still benefit from the resources and expertise because if you say endow uh, a studio or something along those lines and you come back and you see it in action and this is your career too, this is what you do for a living, you may be inspired by, like, you get a tangible benefit out of this too. And that's there's something there rather than your money just going into the ether. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's a win-win. The program or uh, a scholarship uh, is is provided is is supported, um, but also uh, the donor gets to feel good about how they are uh, giving their money, investing their their money as well. Um, and I get to feel good because um, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, finding out what interests a donor and match it to a need in in the college and uh, when you put those two things together uh, magic happens and right. there's a lot of uh, joy and excitement around it what are some of the uh, you mentioned some of the the corporations without naming names but uh, what sort of what sort of industries uh, are are supported by uh, companies and and what their influence with the College of Design. Like, what are some tangible? Like, what are some of the things your studios do? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. advanced well, materials. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. Designs a black box to me. So really fascinating to see how corporate money goes into an amazing institution and has a tangible uh, result. An example: We had a company who uh, designs packaging material. And they had a, a type of bubble wrap that they wanted students to um, to help 
uh, evolved to another level. And I don't know all the details of that, but I can tell you at the end of the semester, it was a semester-long studio, um, the company said, this is a great solution and we are going to use this. Uh, industrial design uh, in particular is... is it touches everything. Design touches everything. The chair in which you're sitting was designed. Mm -hmm. The microphone into which I'm speaking was designed. Mm -hmm. The toothbrush you use was designed. From the bristles to the handle, the way the handle is angled, everything. Design touches everything. Yeah. And and so uh, we've got um, uh, a major airline who is um, interested in um, having its seats redesigned. So um, there are conversations about um, how our students uh, might work on that. Um, it could be materials like rubber or wood or uh, some other composite materials. Um, uh, Design touches everything. So as big as your imagination is, those uh, those types of companies will come in and say, uh, will you give us a fresh look? Now, this fresh look sponsored by these companies, obviously the, uh, the institution is reaping the benefits, but... Uh, is there, how do you ethically touch what looked, could be looked upon as unpaid labor of the students? Um, or is that sort of like, Hey, you're actually getting on the job experience and that's really, really tangible. It's essentially an internship. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. There we go. It's part of their yeah. education. Uh, and, and is, uh, yeah. Okay. So they learn to work in teams. Okay. They learn to work m with materials. They learn how to go through the process of, um, identifying a problem, identifying possible solutions, experimenting with, with my, with what might work when they graduate, they're going to be working in teams. They Got need it. to know how to, uh, to do the job. And so this is part of their education. Uh, uh, okay. And you're right. Group social, group socialization is an important part of education that's often overlooked. You know, a lot of people operate in a vacuum as like, and now all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 this is how, this is a part of our curriculum to make sure that you can work. Cause this is a collaborative effort, collaborative effort. You don't work in isolation in this discipline. Well, if or you think about life. architects or yep. landscape architects yeah. that are designing uh, new spaces, uh, people can't do that alone. Right. Um, you are working with a lot of different uh, professionals um, to to bring something to fruition. Um, we work on teams throughout life. And uh, even in uh, my career as, as development, sometimes uh, there will be a husband who has a degree from one college and a wife who has a degree from another <laughs> college, <laughs> and they want to create a scholarship uh, that support some sort of interdisciplinary work. Oh. And uh, and so perhaps the College of Design will work with the College of Textiles on a uh, on a on a project that is funded by uh, this couple, and and they're excited because both of their schools are represented. Uh, and and I will say, I was thinking about this earlier. People have a pride in their association with 
their community, with their school. I mean, when you're in a, a program, it's a small community. And a lot of our alumni are intensely proud of their tenure as students in the College of Design. It's right. a very difficult school to get into. Uh, you have to... Uh, have your portfolio reviewed, you have to be interviewed, and once you you get through several steps, then you you may or may not be enrolled. And so um, there are uh, people who just feel proud about how hard their their education was. and and um, you know people in the sciences could could talk about that. people in uh, in a lot of different disciplines, there is a pride in in a strong work ethic. Thing. Right, and and also the uh, the commensurate success of your alumni, um, because this I mean I wouldn't even think of like making a portfolio at age seventeen to get into a college of design that would not I coasted through life. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, it, now your your alum alumni must be immensely successful but even the most as the executive director of development i guess w- one big thing that comes to mind is how do you weather economic uncertainty how do you weather the storms of the ebb and flow of the economy to maintain the highest caliber of education that you're trying to strive for because let's not forget that that is the ultimate goal of all of the aggregation of all these donors what strategies do you use to or does can any nonprofit use to sort of keep independence in the face of externals well universities in part are state supported but there aren't enough dollars that come from the state to meet all the budget needs which is why fundraising is important Mm -hmm. and the level of excellence across nc state university across universities in this country uh, is high And when the economy has downturns, it doesn't necessarily affect the quality of the teaching or the learning experience. Um, You might need to cut a a, uh, faculty line because um, you just lost $200,000 in state support because of the downturn of the economy, Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't... uh, that doesn't mean that the level of of excellence in your program decreases. It just means the faculty need to pull together to try to uh, to shore up some of the uh, the the departing faculty's um, teaching load. Right. Um, and and uh, in terms of of finding support for students and faculty and programs and and the university, even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In general, there are some years that are uh, low years because of what the economy is doing. And there are other years that are um, really good years because of what the economy is doing. Uh, but I think the university uh, as, a, as a state institution um, is uh, financially secure enough that um, it will not affect uh, the quality of the education. Got it. Got it. And um... and I just like to... to uh, uh, clarify, you're talking about nonprofit. Uh, NC State University um, is a state institution, and then there is the NC State University Foundation. That's the nonprofit mm-hmm. side through which I do fundraising. The College of Edu- Agriculture has their own uh, f- uh, foundation. Um, the College of Textiles has their own foundation. So that's the that's the nonprofit side of, of what I do for NC State University. Right, right. No, thank you for clarifying that. I, I, I coming from a prior nonprofit background, I had that internalized too. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that you pointed that out, mm-hmm. that this is, there is an umbrella and then there are separate uh, si- silos of fundraising operating underneath this great big umbrella of the NC State University and each of its Rec, uh, commensurate colleges, um, so well, separate organizations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, was what is uh, what is communication across lines like? Um, other than uh, obviously, that sounds really cool. Like having uh, an interdisciplinary between two separate schools, um, but. Uh, how does everyone uh, communicate and keep on the same page as to uh, strategies? Because you're all in the one big family. Uh, is there communication cross lines? NC State is an incredibly collaborative university. Mm-hmm. The deans talk with one another, meet regularly. Uh, the chief development officers, of which I am one, get together, um, talk about uh, uh what our deans are doing uh, in terms of fundraising for projects. If our deans are working collaboratively, uh, we're going to be working collaboratively with our teams. Um, I I am, I have been at uh, NC State University for about 14 months and I've just been delighted by how collegial and collaborative uh, everybody is. So I think the communication is good. The partnerships are excellent and, uh, and it makes this uh, more exciting for uh, alumni and donors and corporations when they see those sorts of partnerships and, uh, and collaborative uh, uh, working arrangements. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that we've seen uh, from NC State and that we hope to see in the future? Uh, some, some hallmarks of the design school, like, oh, we did the first yappa da or we invented the 
Shum shum shum. These are not real words. I'm trying to. Uh, and and what what are some innovations that you're working on right now in the uh, College of Design that you know could use some help? I want people to be able to help, be it alumni listening right now or uh, you know people off the street because people off the street take affinity towards things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to know uh, what what. What's what's the crown in your jewel that you love to look back on, and what's what's the thing that you're working on right now that you really love? There are a lot of uh, there's a lot that I, I could talk about. I, I think one of the points of pride is in the history of the college. Um, when it was founded, uh, there were faculty members from around the world, world leaders, who came and taught at the College of Design, and it's uh, one of the reasons why alumni are so intensely proud. Um, right now, we've got a, a lab called the the Coastal Dynamics Lab, and it is uh, a, a program that is looking at um, the shorelines and the erosion of of land, uh, either uh, naturally or when there are natural disasters that come and and wipe away um, communities. And uh, and so they have uh, several different partnerships uh, with communities and other nonprofit organizations where they are looking to solve uh, the design of communities so that um, uh, they're not getting washed away or getting flooded. Um, and uh, here in North Carolina, that's something that is incredibly is, relevant. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the Coastal Di- Dynamics Design Lab page right now, and this is... This is real life. This is really happening right here. And this is the forefront of future civic planning. Well, and and to go back to a point I made earlier, uh, the work that's being done is relevant. Yeah. It's it's not just work for the sake of... of, faculty to write papers and students to check off the boxes of the credit hours that they need. They're actually uh, doing applied work that is making a difference in real time. Yeah. Uh, That's okay. That, that touches on a really cool point because there has been this, um, not groundswell, but there's been this murmur amongst academia and those who uh, those who hover within and around it about the demise not the demise but the the recalibration towards more esoteric learning at the expense of practical applied learning uh, some people call it the trade school other people call it schools of art and design other people call it you know engineering schools um, but it seems like you do you do not fall into that category this is real practical solutions well there's a there's a process of learning. So our first year students do uh, what we call a first year experience, and there is a, a, a critique uh, at the end of the semester where we get uh, people from uh, industry or uh, older alumni 
come back and they review the work that the students have done and uh, they're learning how to work with uh, materials like cardboard and wood and uh, maybe plastics um, and paper, learning how to work with different types of paper and they have to, to work in teams. And so uh, it's sort of the ABCs and one, two, threes of, of design. Um, and, and so uh, there is a necessary foundational uh, teaching and, and learning that's taking place. But as the students move through their, uh, their education, they uh, graduate to bigger problems to solve. Right. And, uh, and so I wouldn't say every class has uh, an applied element to it, but um, the studios do. The studios uh, for architecture and landscape architecture and, and all of the, the, um, the different uh, programs in, in the college, those students are designing to solve um, relevant issues. It's working. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like it's actual work. You know, you are yeah. doing actual work. Um, in what? In other than the uh, what? What? What projects are you looking to champion right now? In 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 from your development lens, what are you out there right now trying to you know elevate? Uh, not saying you you're at the expense of other things, but what are the uh, what are the big? What's the big? crown and the jewel that you want to uh, implement through development, through, you know, raising some more funds? Well, the College of Design doesn't have a long history in uh, fundraising for its its unit. And so we've talked about endowments. And for those who don't know what an endowment Please is... Please explain that. Yeah. Uh, an endowment is a fund that uh, earns interest and the interest that's earned is the award that is given to a student or a faculty member or for a program. So um, somebody might give a $100,000 gift and uh, the interest earned on it, if it's, uh, if it's 4%, will provide $4,000 a year to be given to uh, a student or uh, there's a, uh, a gift agreement that that uh, lists guidelines that the donor says, well, I want this money to be used in this way. And so uh, perhaps that $4,000 will go toward uh, a single scholarship to recruit the best and brightest student. Perhaps it'll go toward uh, recruiting the best and brightest faculty member. It might go toward the Coastal Dynamics Lab. It might go toward some of the virtual reality programs uh, that uh, our faculty and students are working on. Um, there are uh, there are as many different ways uh, for people to create endowments as as uh, there are interests. Nice. Now, the other side of that, somebody might give a cash donation. So, say somebody sends a fifty dollar cash donation. It's called a current use gift, and oftentimes it goes into a fund that we call an unrestricted fund. Uh, in the College of Design, the dean oversees the college fund our unrestricted fund and he can use the money in there to um, to supplement uh, some of the needs in in the college each each department the department of art and design has its own 
uh, unrestricted fund. It's it's called the Art and Design Excellence Fund. And so um, uh, an art and design alum may send uh, a $100 gift and it'll go in there and the department head then will get to determine how to use that. So endowments are permanent funds whose interest is used for the award. Current use funds are cash gifts that are that can be used immediately. Thank you, Jean, th- so much for clarifying that because uh, once, uh, you can't see it, but once she started, I used to work at a nonprofit, and once, once Jean started going down this road, I'm like, oh my God, yes, oh my God, yes, please explain this to everyone, please explain this to everyone because no one really gets what the difference between those two are. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that, you know, endowments, you've, the principal operates and you've just got that money is operating for a specific purpose. Uh, I, that's why they're so important to the uh, to the nonprofit uh, world, and you are looking to create. Uh, one of your major goals is to create some sort of. Uh, you you need a big professorial endowment, right? The College of Design is the only college at NC State University that does not have an endowed professorship. An endowed professorship is uh, something that allows us to either retain high-level faculty or recruit high-level faculty to the program. Uh, the minimum endowment level, there are minimum endowment levels. Mm-hmm. So, Well, because obviously you can't have an investment operating on like, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So at NC State University, uh, if somebody wants to create an endowment, the minimum gift that uh, is required is $50,000. Right. Uh, And then if you want to endow uh, something called a full tuition scholarship that will pay the tuition for a student for a year, that is $250,000. If you want to endow a fund that will help support a graduate student fellowship, that's $500,000. For the professorship, the minimum endowment level is a million dollars. And um, in theory, if if interest rates are at 4%, it'll provide $40,000 for a high-level uh, faculty member to hire teaching assistants yep, yep, yep. or uh, run their lab or uh, continue research. Maybe they'll use the funds uh, to do research somewhere else in the country somewhere else in the world. Um, To some, it may sound like $40,000 is like a a lot of money, but when you're traveling and you are a high-level superstar in in your field, um, that money disappears quickly. Absolutely, yeah. And we've spoken on this program to other people in, you know, the sciences and in the public public slash private slash nonprofit funded realm. And... Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you just got to keep the lights on and where does that money come from? And it's these endowments that work in perpetuity that help that because, you know, you have labs with practical equipment. You you might have to buy that machine once, but you still have to buy that machine. Right. So the state money keeps the lights on, literally, yeah. but the equipment in the lab oftentimes either comes as a result of a, a donation or uh, faculty do write grants. And so um, grant and foundation money uh, is is different than what I do. Right. Uh, typically, there is an expectation there will be a publication or 
there are some deliverables to uh, to the funding entity. But what I do in philanthropy, it is it is a pure. Uh, no strings attached gift yep um, and uh, and and the money is used for whatever the the donor directs it to be used and for. and and by the way though these endowed professorships produce these publications which could go it's it's one big holistic system you know uh, I love it I love it I love it I love it and I love that people are so generous to help keep I mean, Without private dollars, yeah, most universities would be in financial trouble. Right, it's the it's, private dollars allow them to maintain their um, their levels of excellence, and, and you know, state funding is critical to state universities, um, but the private funding is is critical as well because it allows. Uh, a college or uh, a department to go above and beyond where they might be able to go with just the state dollars. Right. And like you said earlier, we see actual tangible results in our community because we've got NC State working on solving our our coastal issues right now, our like actual issues right now. So this all comes back to us by putting it out into these educational communities. It does come into our communities. Even if we don't think we actually see it, it always does come back. It's a big, it's a big circle. I mean, I well, love it. And, and there are some uh, fun, fascinating projects too. Uh, last year, the College of Design uh, partnered with the College of Sciences and uh, created exhibits of what science might look like. And, and what do you mean? Uh, what science might look like? So there were uh, designers' renditions of what a molecule might look like. Oh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, there was there was one exhibit that um, had uh, lots of strings attached to lots of balls, and um, I read the placard at the time. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was fascinating to see how an artist and designer interprets what they're seeing in a microscope right. or uh, how they interpret what they are reading in a scientific journal. And of course, there was lots of collaboration. So um, some of the scientists were the designers and some of the designers understood science well enough to, to create their own exhibits. But um, design is fun yeah. and practical. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. That's super cool. I really love that. Um, well, you have a board meeting to run to, I, I, but you said it's a fun board meeting, so I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to say uh, uh, condolences, uh, <laughs> but let's just end it on a super, like, super, super happy quick note. Best Boston Marathon moment. The 1994 Boston Marathon was my fastest. I, I did one hour, 34 minutes, and 22 seconds. Sometimes when people think, oh, they're in a wheelchair, uh -huh. they think uh, the quality and the strength may not be the same as somebody who can walk. But in my sport, a racing chair is akin to what a cyclist might use when they're cycling. Oh, yeah. Um, my racing chair has no gears, but um, just a 
small hand rim that I would pound. And so uh, my average speed for uh, that Boston Marathon in 1994 was just under 17 miles an hour for the entire 26.2 miles. And um, I had food poisoning a couple days before. (laughs) So... Um, I got sick several times during the race and the fact that I, I still won the marathon, I was really wanting to do a sub 90 minute marathon and I got close, but, uh, didn't quite get there. Boston is just a special place for me. Eight wins, five world records. Um, all of those feel great. Uh, I'm a New Yorker. So one of our big things is the New York marathon. Um, which, what what marathon was the challenging one that you were like, oh, I don't know about this one? Well, when I was competing, I, I retired after the 2000 Sydney Games, so it's been almost a generation since I was competing. I really wanted to do the New York City Marathon, but uh, when I was competing in the late 80s throughout the 90s, uh, the wheelchair division was not welcome at that time. So I never really? got to do it. Yes. No. Uh, the it's one of the division, highlights of the current, the modern one. It's uh, The wheelchair division is relatively new to the, the New York City Marathon, and it, it's fun and fascinating and exciting and um uh and and so that's probably one of the things that i wish i could have done boston was my favorite um i won the la marathon uh five times enjoyed that um i did a nine-day stage race in alaska from fairbanks to anchorage it was 367 miles it rained seven of the nine days it's the hardest thing i've ever chosen to do and uh, I was really excited when I crossed the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Best Olympic moment? Oh, best Olympic moment. uh, I think when I, well, I won the final marathon of my career in Sydney. Uh, I won by about a half a second. It was a final sprint. Uh, We came into the stadium and uh, I was sprinting to the finish line and I won. Half a second. Yeah. I got the last gold medal given in Sydney before the closing ceremonies. And uh, what an amazing way to, uh, to close out an amazing career. That uh, and 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 not just individual. This is for your country too. This yes. is this is next level. Yes. And I I've heard from other athletes that doing it for the country is a big deal. I was intensely proud to have USA on my uniform, and uh, to this day, when I hear the national anthem, I I tear up. I can be at a basketball game. I can be uh, on, on Memorial Day. Anytime I hear our national anthem, it makes me tear up. I'm so proud of our country, um, and um, it was an honor to represent the U.S. But I also have to say, the University of Illinois, where I got my undergrad degree, where my coach uh, continued to train me even beyond graduate school, it changed my life. It had a program for uh, student athletes with disabilities in wheelchair basketball, wheelchair track and road racing. It changed a lot of lives. And so when I wasn't representing the U.S., I was representing the University of Illinois, and I had a lot of pride wearing Illinois on my uniform as well. And I just thought of one way to cap the whole story off. 
NC State College of Design. What cool chairs are they working on? <laughs> could, could you could you get a little friends and family discount in? Be like, hey guys, you know. Uh... <laughs> Actually, there are some major automobile manufacturers who have been working with Australia, the U.S., Japan on building the next generation supersonic. Racing chair. <laughs> I I I bet you. Uh, no, you know what? No, you were doing it a, a little back ago, and you probably look at look at these kids with their. You know how I got by? <laughs> Not really. I feel happy that there continues to be growth and improvement, and uh, and and. And they're moving forward and they're going faster and I celebrate that. All right. That that that's actually super optimistic because I'd be like, kids these days, I didn't have any of that. <laughs> yeah, but I had my time. You had your time. Was, oh, you're right. It was brilliant. It's someone else's time to shine. And yeah. it's fun to celebrate their success. It is. Gene, you're just a fascinating person. I love how you broke down what is the behind the scenes of the nonprofit world so well. And I love how you capped it off with just some really, really, really cool stories. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon or evening, whatever time it may be. Gene Driscoll, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Austin. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.